Welcome to the first episode of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, at least for the year 2022. That's right. Here we are. I didn't get to do the joke. See you oh, next the, year. See you next year. That's a shame. That's a good one. Is it really a, a shame? I saw a lot of memes going around of like, you know, dads rolling up their sleeves. It was, you know, middle-aged men rolling up their sleeves. This <laughs> is like getting ready for that joke of the, <laughs> of the end of the year. See you next year. I didn't get to do it. I know you got to do that last week, but I was yeah. out because I was sick. And this week you're actually doing the podcast from your house, Carter. You've got COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Doing okay. Doing it. Really, the, the symptoms have been extremely mild. Um, I lost taste for, I mean- most of my taste for a couple of days. Of course, my my wife told me I've never had taste. Um, wow. At least not when it comes to style. I was going to say, uh, you, <laughs> she married you. I don't yeah. know if that worked for her in her favor, her comment. No, I, 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 I it, it worked out for me once. Uh, the rest <laughs> of the time, I'm extremely unfashionable wow. and like very common things. I, <laughs> I do want to ask, okay, so you've lost taste. Is it true? Do you lose weight because you can't taste? Do you stop eating? I was prepared for that. See, it never totally went away. And so I was gearing up. I told Kelsey, I said, get chicken, rice, and veggies for me. I'm not, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. If, if, if I totally lose taste, I might as well just do it. But it never fully went away. And wait, I, <laughs> this is what it is. We have to wait. Till we can't taste yeah. anything that will yeah. finally make that jump into. Well, here, here's the the real irony. <laughs> I'm is gonna eat I healthy. was <laughs> I was tasting things that were extremely the the main things that I was tasting were the things that had extreme flavor. So oh, like okay. very sweet, very salty. Sure, but I had something like our we we drink this uh, mineral water at a local grocery store, mm -hmm. and it, it was stuff like that that I really couldn't taste. Right, and right. so ironically, it's like, well, if I want to taste something. Give me that huge cinnamon roll, Kelsey. Like, I was, <laughs> so ironically, I probably ate worse. Right, right. Mineral water, generally, people are like, that doesn't taste. No, you get the flavored kind. You get the a like hint, lemon flavor. hint of lime, and I couldn't taste. Aww. It even, it, honestly, even the fizz tasted flat there for a couple of sure. days. Sure. So, uh, so. it, it is interesting how sometimes people, after they experience loss of taste and smell, they actually lose the desire for taste of certain things. I know yeah. my dad, after surgery, he was like, I'm not going to eat eggs anymore. He loves eggs. I'm like, well, who is this person? Really? He's so like, he hasn't gone back eggs. to them. Doesn't like eggs now. Wow. Who knows? Who knows? I don't understand. Uh, and that's why we do this podcast. We talk about the things that we don't fully understand, but are just, you know, <sighs> trying to figure good, out. That's a good way to describe it. We, we don't know everything in our no. spiritual journey, but we explore the lessons that God is teaching us through scripture uh, and through life too. And so. you were excited. You were excited about sharing this morning. And, and to be honest, or it's morning right now. You may be listening to this at night, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I got to be honest. When you read through the Bible and you do it somewhat chronologically, I'm now in the book of Revelation and it's one of those books that... I want to share so much from, but at the same time, it's so heavy with symbolism and everybody thinks they got a handle on what that book is all about. So right. again, going back to, I know nothing. So let me grab hold of the little bit that I do know. I'm going to speak from that. It is one of those where I feel like I just going to walk carefully, tread carefully. Yeah. And yeah. also connected to things that are very much real going on in my life. Um, I, hopefully it will be of some benefit, but Carter, what's going on with you? Well, I uh, I guess chose to start the year with words of Jesus. Oh, that's I, a, <laughs> you know, if you got to start the year with something, if you're going to start the year with something, and um, I I have done <clears throat> really exploring uh, a lot of what I did 
of of the doctrine of scripture over the past year i was a lot of the times in romans and corinthians a lot of what paul uh, wrote which is all good it's all very good mm-hmm. um but uh, i wanted to to read those red letters too and get get in depth with that and it, that is if you have a, a version of a bible where jesus in time jesus is speaking the text is read now can i ask you something right yeah. off the bat i know that there are some uh some denominations that prefer sharing uh, from the pulpit, specifically from the letters, as opposed to reading through the Gospels, which the Gospels, if, if you're new to the Bible, welcome. It's it's such a fun book to explore. Don't let it intimidate you. But the Gospels being the first four books of the New Testament, which is the life story of Jesus, has walked out in his 33 years on this planet. Um, do you feel more comfortable staying in the letters or do you like prefer the gospels or i mean like what's your preference if you have one or maybe you don't uh i don't okay um no i um i think i i will say and you're you're talking about letters like the letters that paul wrote is what you're talking about paul peter john james so i think oddly enough there are times that Jesus Jesus spoke in parables and uh, confused many. Um, honestly, those that um, you know, he even said that to his disciples that 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 some won't understand what I'm saying, and even the disciples were confused on some of the parables. They always had to ask him what what they meant. Mm-hmm. And I think I think oddly enough, and that's I think kind of why I want to explore more of what he means. Okay. But there are times that Jesus says things that you could even call unbiblical. Ironically enough, because he tells a guy, the guy says that rich young ruler says, how do I be saved? That's not what I'm going over today, but he says, how do I be saved? And he says, Jesus says, you know, the commandments. And then he, you know, he says, well, I followed all of them, which is a load of malarkey. And, and then Jesus says, well, then there's only one thing left and it's to go and sell all that you have. And, and I, I, I think it's just so interesting. There's a couple things like that where Jesus is, is not saying, uh, what we have to do to be saved is sell all we have. But he did tell that individual that. Yeah. And then you got to explore a little deeper. So I think, I think, dare I say the words of Paul, maybe even more surface level, um, even though he's hard to understand at times too, but Jesus gets so interesting because that's not a doc, a biblical doctrine. Right. Of, Go sell all you have, and then you'll get to heaven. No, he's telling that guy that. Why is he telling that guy that? And then you have to explore deeper. And obviously, it was about that guy's heart. I really, so I, I love that you just said. You said like Paul is probably more surface level, even though it can be complicated. Yeah. But yeah, you're talking about the creator of the universe, right? Wearing right. flesh. So yeah, it's going to go deeper, and he can see through to the heart of the man talking. So he's able to do that. Whereas Paul doesn't have like X-ray spiritual vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Per se. So. And so I think that's why it's fascinating. I think I think at times it can be hard, uh, even more difficult to understand Jesus. Uh, but then obviously worth it when you when you really look at these examples and see each individual time. You know, is he saying and uh, at a certain point you have to be baptized? Is mm-hmm. he saying you have to uh, go and sell all you have? Is he saying because a lot of people that's what's unfortunate about it because it's so. Um, I don't know if introspective is the right word, but it's it can be so broad or so. Um, so vague, I guess, is probably the word mm-hmm. that a lot of people have chosen to. Well, this is what he means, and then they've gone and ran with it. But then you have to look at the totality of Scripture, 
and go, okay, then why, for example, baptism, some people say Jesus is saying you have to be baptized. Well, then why in so many other places in the Bible does it, does it actually say the opposite? Mm -hmm. And so you have to make sure to slowly look at the words of Jesus and understand truly what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. And weigh it against the spirit of God. I mean, I just said that Paul doesn't have x-ray vision spiritually. And then I was like, wait a second. And the moment I said it, I'm like, well, we have the Holy Spirit that God sent to us as a, quote, helper, as a comforter, um, as someone who is able to help us transcribe what Jesus means. And when you weigh things against the Spirit of God, then you're going to know whether or not this is of him or it's not. And that's, I mean, that what an incredible um tool that we have in a tool belt, man. And that's a really, gosh, that sounds so crass to say it that way, but that the Holy Spirit, that entity, which is a part of the Trinity, which is a part of God, his spirit is in you, in me to help us discern. And I think that's really, really pivotal. And the only way that you can do that, I think is when you do what you just shared, do it slowly, go mm -hmm. through it slowly, yeah. bite size. Cause the moment I do the knee jerk response, well, I read that now I know exactly what that means. And you maybe have heard us share this. I know I've heard it all my life growing up in, in the home I did. My dad was a pastor. And it's like every time I read this verse, I get something new. It's because his spirit is alive. His word is alive as well. And it's yeah. ever revealing things for our life, for that day, for his purpose, for his glory. I like that you said for that day. I find that when you look at the same verse and get something new, uh, that's where the where it says in James of... Um, uh, ask for wisdom, mm -hmm. you're going to find the same verse that means the same thing, the meaning of what whoever said it doesn't change, but it may apply in a different scenario mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And so when, when one verse that, that you've just, you know, you've known about, you've grown up maybe in Sunday school and you just always was there, all of a sudden it becomes alive because it's relevant to your situation of that difficult coworker or, yeah. or, or whatever your situation is. And so I think there's, you know, I've even had a conversation with people of another faith. There's a difference in praying for knowledge and wisdom. The knowledge of the Bible doesn't change. Uh, we we learn it. We learn more and more about what it means. Mm -hmm. um, but the wisdom is applicable in so many different situations. So uh, Jesus saying, uh, you know, be be kind to those who persecute you. Actually, that's actually one verse that I'm going to go over today. Um, and be kind to those who per who persecute you. Well, that's going to be different in my life than it is for yours. Yeah. And so there's that wisdom and how it does mean something different and might mean something different to me in five years from now when it's somebody else that's persecuting me. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it speaks to the individuality of each one of us, which yeah. is just also speaks to the genius of God and that he doesn't like to make the same thing over and over again. We're all different. Uh, just like when we go to a buffet, it's the same buffet, but we're going to eat different things or we ingest it differently. We're like, oh, I like this. This tastes good to me. And you may not like that same taste. You may like it different. And mm -hmm. so when I read through the same verse as you, there may be a part of that that really you latch onto in that moment that day because it applies to whatever's going on in your world. Sure. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about tastes changing with the eggs. <laughs> My dad all his life loves eggs. Then all of a sudden, he doesn't like eggs anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you you don't like that part of the scripture anymore. I'm just saying that maybe it no longer applies in that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Your situation's changed. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, I, I just went over 
Matthew 5, uh, a lot of it. Uh, That's a the biggie, isn't it? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying a lot of uh, different things, honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of um, uh, just different situations in life, actually. And so I'll start with 11 and 12. Um, I'm just going to go. I, I think I think I just picked out about five or six verses that I go, whoa, I think that applies to our culture. Uh, and a, a lot of what we see in on social media, a lot of what we go through. And so uh, 11 and 12 say, say this, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Now that's just actually 11 in the first part of 12. But um, I, I wanted to just point out, because I, I have felt different ways about this before, but uh, people will persecute us because we are his followers, not because I'm an American or I have a certain political affiliation or I believe certain things about political issues like climate change or, or anything. But what it says is I will be persecuted because I follow him. And so I think that's a very interesting distinction where you kind of in America have this morphed reality of politics and and religion. Uh, and then second, I should be happy about it. To me, that says don't go on rants about religious freedom on Facebook. Now, with our country, I think we have the right to be able to take action if we feel we need to contact our senator or or have a petition going. I think that's perfectly fine. But I, I think for me, that says I don't need to make a pointless Facebook status about it. Uh, either I need to do something or just be happy about the fact that that somebody sees that I'm following Jesus. Um, and then third on this on just this section here, a reward is waiting in heaven because some people might read that last part and leave out the words in heaven and lead you to believe that you'll eventually get rich. So I think that's just a couple of different thoughts I had on on those verses. I have mm. about four other verses, but those are those are kind of different different points. I didn't know if you wanted to get in here, Rochelle, and any thoughts on on oh, those particular yeah. verses. There's so much good stuff there, and and we don't ever want to mislead you and think that you won't necessarily receive persecution because you are an American. I mean, that's a whole separate oh, issue. Sure, but this but is that's speaking, a whole separate issue. Yeah. yeah, this is speaking to you are blessed when. These are the, the uh-huh. quote. This is under the uh, the the heading of beatitudes, as you may have heard it called. Um, you are blessed when, in my name, you're persecuted for my sake. Men revile you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. And that part, that last part, you were talking about. I think you you find yourself quote unquote rich, spiritually, emotionally. Um, mentally, when you start investing in that reward in heaven, when you start going, okay, this is what Jesus is talking about when he said, store up treasures in heaven, because if you've ever experienced wealth on this planet and had it deplete like that, which a lot of folk have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, whether in the midst of an economic crisis or whatever, I mean, yeah, your money can be taken away really, really fast. But if you've invested in the kingdom of heaven, then it should not shake your very foundations. It will shake you. I mean, because we're human beings. And when yeah. we lose that, um, when we lose what was in our account, the next day we have to go out and find some other way to f- put money in there so we can continue to survive and do what we do. But um, 
Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. And we won't necessarily be searching for what, unfortunately, the rest of the folk who don't know Jesus or even those who claim that they do and are still trying to find wealth on this planet as a satisfying be-all, end-all type thing. Um, we're never going to get there. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate. That's not where wealth lies. It, it lies in eternal things. That's, that's really, really good. Well, just proof that we've seen rich get richer uh, and, and not that um, not not from a, I'm not saying that from a political stance. I'm saying uh, when somebody chooses to continue to uh, try to benefit themselves and they're already a billionaire or, you know, people getting close to being trillionaires, it, you, you just ask yourself, how much is enough? How much is enough? And I would be I would be doing the same thing. I would say, well, only if I got here, because I've done that in what God's already given me. Yeah. You know, and And that's I mean, if you have an abundance, that's fantastic, because a lot of people I mean, there are ways that you can invest in the kingdom of God here on this planet that will have eternal impact because you're like a humanitarian will go out and they will invest in different charities, different nonprofits saying, I want to love on people well. And God sometimes entrusts people with an abundance like that so that you can be a blessing to others. But when I started to hold on to things tightly, um, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. It, it talks all throughout scripture about the, the blessing of being humble, that the meek inherit the earth. Ooh, am I getting on one of your verses you're about to talk about? I know uh, that's in no, there. No, go ahead. Cause I, I, I'm going I'm, I started at 11, 12 and I'm going past it. So I missed all that uh, up front. <laughs> to serve people with your abundance is, is the point. God, yeah. if you're blessed with being prosperous on this planet, I don't want, I don't want to ever be guilty of not giving from that abundance. Um, because gosh, we have the opportunity to touch people with the living Jesus through a monetary way. I mean, certainly we can do that every day from whatever we have. You know, if, if perhaps you, you're not doing well, but you have an abundance of kindness and love to extend to others because his spirit is alive and well in you. So however we choose to give, but anyway, just to speak yeah. to that. And I, I do think a lot of folk do equate their political belief system with their faith, I mean, the reason why they have those stances about climate control or whatever that you were just bringing up, it's probably because they feel strongly in regards to their morality compass. Like, this is this is how I feel directed. and sure. This is why I go out of my way to, to say what I say. And they speak with boldness and think that they are doing God's work by equating their faith belief system with their, um, you know, with their political stance it's really important that we distinguish the two and hold hold the politics loosely and say, Lord, forever, I want to kind of put this through your filter and make sure that I'm aligned with you and not a political party. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that there are going to be people in heaven that uh, consider themselves to be Republicans and consider themselves to be Democrats. And I think you just blew people's mind just now. There's a lot of people who are like, you can't go to heaven unless you are dot, dot, dot. I've heard sure. people say that. No, I'm and I'm and I'm sure, and I know this is this is dicey, but I think when you got to when we look at biblical text, I mean that I, ideology uh, of the American system wasn't even developed yet, and so it, it it's so important to understand that uh, with this, he says specifically, if you are my follower, now um, potentially you, we might face persecution 
and and they say they don't like our political beliefs, but then when it does get down to it, it may not it may be Jesus that they don't like uh, of what they're seeing, and that may be true. But I, I see a lot of people throw pity parties online uh, because of uh, well, you know the 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 Bible says that we we have a tribulation, and really all they're mad about. Um, is that people disagreed with them on a certain political issue. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's where we really, like you said, have to distinguish the two. Um, are they mad at me because we disagree politically? Well, that's okay. But I don't want to, to, to then point the finger at them and go, you're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. And, and, mm. and they weren't even thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's where it's like, Hey, I, I need to stop feeling sorry for myself here, especially. And, and even if it is about faith, the Bible, this is, this is actually where it says it. It doesn't say to feel sorry for ourselves. It says count it as joy. Be happy. That means the people are identifying that you follow Jesus and that's cool. I mean, yeah. it, it, it can be hard, obviously, depending on the persecution, but that's cool. Cool. Yeah, I can get triggered so easily. You know, I'm going to share this real quick, Carter, the, the airport story. I'm dropping off my son. He's going to go a day early for Christmas vacation with family. And I go through the security. There's this miscommunication that takes place. They're not necessarily conveying what they need from us as the, the, the passengers. And one of the TSA agents reaches out and kind of it gently pushes, but pushes me back into line because oh, okay. I had misunderstood something. Whoa. I have paid for a service here. I have paid for my ticket. Sometimes we pay through the nose for these rides. Uh, all you have to do is use your words to share. Um, right. What is going on? Why are you touching me? Why are you rolling your eyes at me? Then I start like, you can even just hear me recounting this to you. Yeah. I start layering all these frustrations, one on top of the other. Now, Thank God I kept my cool in that moment in terms of like making sure that my son saw the right side of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> my 15 year old impressionable son. Um, and then, of course, I picked up the phone and called my husband. Can you believe this person did this thing? <laughs> and I'm really frustrated. I'm like, I'm going to give this person a piece of my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's my husband who calmly says, huh, can you imagine what they're dealing with? on a moment-by-moment -moment basis right now. We saw the headlines at the airport earlier. We saw the people fisting it out, fighting amongst themselves. It's just ridiculous behavior amongst adults and these agents trying to do their best for Shell. What if we gave him a gift card when we came through the line tomorrow? He said, did he say that? He literally said that. Oh, my goodness. And then I texted back, the only thing I'm going to give is a piece of my mind if I give anything at all. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to remain silent. Yeah, yeah. But he had the right response. He had the godly response. He had the servant heart response. Why do I feel entitled that I should have anything other than what, ex what, what I experienced? Now, I do live in the United States of America, and we have this understanding that if you pay for a service, you should be treated X amount of ways. Mm -hmm. Or I can leave a review on Yelp, and you're going to reap the harvest. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, that has become the society that we are. Oh, I'm going to hold it over on you. Or I'm going to hold it over. We have lost the sense of grace that we've been yeah. extended through, through Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean I need, don't hold people accountable when they need to be held accountable to some degree, but it was not in the right spirit. I was not in the right spirit. I was like, 
I'm going to tell I'm going to get on that podcast I do with Carter. I'm going to talk about the, you know, whoa, you do not know of what spirit you are is what I feel like Jesus would be telling me in that moment. Yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting is you you made a decision, and I know you you it, it took you a second, obviously Sam, <laughs> a Sammy few seconds. Carter. Uh, Sammy didn't experience it and made an instant decision, but but I think what where I've seen it over the past year of just kind of what I've gone through, but but also where our world has gone, uh, our country specifically, like you said, is we have to decide as believers in Jesus. Uh, is it something bad enough that I need to take action? Mm. Or is it an offense that should be overlooked, as mm. Scripture says? Wow, yeah. That that uh, an offense uh, we over it is it is actually uh, how does it say it? I think it is um, to one's glory to overlook an offense, mm. and so fill in the blank because every person's going to be a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody cursed at me, I may let that go and choose to overlook that, uh, but you might not, and that's okay. But we just have to make this decision on. All right, if I choose to overlook it, then I move forward and go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I choose to take action, be that Yelp or customer service, or especially, you know, as, as the Bible talks about mainly, people that we know that hurt us, we go to them first. Yes. And then and then it has the instructions after that. So so I think our problem with Christianity in, in, in America today is we haven't made a decision. We want to um, make a scene and be bitter about it. But if we choose to take action, we haven't done it the right way, mm-hmm. or we choose to, well, I just won't do anything, but then I'll, I'll suffer uh, because I can't let it go. So mm. then I should be taking action, even though I've chose to be passive and it's kind of passive aggressive. And so you, we, I find us to be in that middle ground a lot of the time. And kudos to you two for uh, it, even you. I mean, I know it wasn't easy, but making a choice <laughs> to just let it go and not make a scene. Well, you're supposed to measure it according not, not to your standards, but to his. So if the spirit of God, it's like, all right, Rochelle, I'm talking to you right now. Are you going to choose to react to this situation according to your offense levels or what you think should be done Mm. or what others have informed you? You should do this. You should do this. Or, oh, I'm going to look at what other people did by Googling and seeing has anybody else experienced this? How was what what how do they respond now? Look. You can educate yourself, and there actually is wisdom in counsel from respected individuals that you are like, these people can pour into me spiritually and grow me as a human being. Yeah. But people randomly on the internet who, like BuzzFeed or something like that, where they all give you their piece of advice, you have to weigh that against what, what does God say? I'm not measuring according to worldly standards here. I'm measuring according to God's standards. So I need to bite my lip. And, and and figure it out, okay, Jesus, do I need to report this? Was I hurt in any way? Was I obstructed? Is this a continuing, ongoing problem every time I go to the airport? Was this an isolated set of circumstances? You know, th- these are the questions I have to ask. And you insert your scenario here, yeah. whatever the offense is. God, how should I respond according to your word, your wisdom, your guidance, and not, <laughs> not the half a star Yelp review? Well, Yes, and and that's the thing is I'm, this is I'm gonna take this in a bit of a different direction, but but I love what you said about you have to choose what standards, and it shouldn't by be by that that the single star Yelp review of like oh they did this well I'm gonna do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just lied about something yesterday. What? And let me tell you the story. I don't want to tell you this, but you are going to hell now. 
Wow. No, I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> revelations, revelations, 21. Eight. Um, uh, speaking of which, segue to Rochelle's conversation on revelation. Um, so here's what happened. We were coming back from Thanksgiving and a rock hit our windshield. Oh. And it really ticked me off because the uh, it was a guy in a trailer uh, that stuff was flying out of it. And it, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. that is what it is. It just, you know, he he was gone. That's sure. that, on that part of the story. But here I have a, a, a crack in my windshield and it's not big. And I I'm thinking, well, I, I've heard of it just getting filled for free because of your insurance and mm-hmm. it won't cost you anything. So I call my local provider and she goes and this is a month ago. And she goes, oh, you don't actually have that on the plan, mm. but it's only $5 a month extra. I'll tell you what, why don't I put it on there right now and then you file the claim on or after the 27th of December. So oh, again, this is, you know, so hold and, off. And just hold off on it. Okay. We're put, put it on your plan now. Then when the new month comes, it'll be on there. Then you can file the claim. And I said, okay, perfect. That's great. Well, what I didn't realize is there's a little deception going on and then I played right into it. So this is what happened. I called my people and they said, yeah, yep, that checks out. And I was like, cool. And they're like, all right, now you call the national insurance. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool. So I call them and they said, all right, so when did, uh, they said, when did this happen? And I, and what, what, uh, the person had told me, my insurance person had told me, they said, um, just just make sure to do it after the 27th and don't say when it happened. Just say, just say, you know, hey, here, this happened and just leave it at that. So per advice on counsel. Per advice on counsel, I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, it sounds like it's a pretty normal thing to do. And then the national person was like, when did this happen? And I go, uh, holiday travel. <laughs> which sorry. is true, which is true, which is true. But then she goes, before or after Christmas? And I mm-hmm. said, before. I said, before. And she goes, what date? And I go, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't think it. I'm yeah. instantly going, I didn't think this would be this big of deal, first of all. Uh-huh. But here I am now being put in this predicament. And and I will say, I think I was put into it a little bit. But I had the choice right then to go, ma'am, this happened November 29th or whatever day it was. And uh, knowing that it wouldn't be covered. Right, right. And I and, and she goes, was it before or after? I was like, it, it was on a, she, she goes, what day of the week? I go, on a Sunday. She goes, so the 26th. And I go, sure. And I just, <laughs> just left it at that, whatever okay. you want to believe. Yeah. And I got to thinking about it and I'm like, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. And I, I call my local people. I go, hey, they were very more adamant about the date. Should I call them back? How big of a deal is the date? And they were honest with me and they go, you can call them, but it probably won't be covered now. Well, dang it. So I went ahead and I called and I said, I, I meant to say it actually happened on November 29th. And the guy, it was a different guy. And he goes, oh, the date's really not that important. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, have a good one. So I guess I'm good, but I wanted to make sure to, especially, you know. But your conscience was pricked by that. Yes. And it might not be for someone else. And 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 I'm not even going to get into that whether that's wrong for that right. person or not because no, I, I think it could be wrong for most people. There but, are some people listening right now. It's like, oh, I've done that zillions of times, Carter. It doesn't and, bother me at all. And, yeah. And there's obviously a line where it is some stuff just is wrong, and mm-hmm. maybe that is, maybe that's not. But my point is, I have lived a life. I think of my cousin a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? Just don't say it. Mm-hmm. Just or just say, hey, yeah, whatever. It happened the 26th. Whatever. I've had so many people where I've gone, oh, okay. Well, I guess if other people do that, no, it doesn't matter what other people do. No, 
It's it my relationship with God and what I have to answer Absolutely. For. And Paul is very clear about that. The Apostle Paul shares, I think it's in Romans. He said that if it is against your conscience, then it is sin, even yeah. if I do not in my own life regard this as sin. Yeah. If yeah. you feel like you're not supposed to do this, that's the that's between you and the Holy Spirit, then you are sinning. And that's hugely convicting. It's like, oh. So, I mean, you could get yourself out of a lot of stuff if you think about it. Oh, well, that guy said it was fine. I just got to talk to anybody that would do terrible things. <laughs> I should have a friend that does terrible things all the time. I'll feel good about myself. But right? you you know, unless, of course, you do it enough times to where you've desensitized that part of the Holy Spirit conversation between you and he. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, and uh, I'm giving the Holy Spirit a pronoun, but you know what I'm saying. I'm saying the Spirit of God, you feel it deeply in your consciousness when you have offended in some way and you either resolve it according to what you've been asked by his spirit or you let it go. And when you let it go and don't resolve it, don't repent of it, then you have made his still small voice that much more quiet. Mm. Yeah. That's that's what I've experienced in my own life. And then you have to get back to it and say, Lord, I have, I become, it's like uh, when you watch enough movies where you you feel like you have to turn a blind eye because there is some content in that movie where you just, mm, yeah, I'm not gelling with that. I don't appreciate this language or I don't appreciate that kind of scene or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But you keep watching stuff like that over and over again, then you become desensitized to it. After a sure. while, it doesn't become nearly as big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with your spiritual walk. Yeah, and and Yeah. So do you want to get into Revelation, Revelation 21.8? Yeah, let's do that because honestly, this led to a great conversation. It really did. I only got to the first two. I see. I one, two, three, four, five. I have five more verses that I want to get to. So let's save those for next time. Um, oh, and let me say this: mm. there is one verse mm-hmm. where, if you've ever done the thing where you go, God, if you do this in my life, I will do this, and it says not to do that. Mm. So, God, if you help me get this job, I will go to church every day for the next year. Okay. The bargaining N- thing. No, 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 no. And I found it very interesting. There's actually a couple <laughs> of examples that I'll give you, and that'll be next week. But. Yeah. Okay. So, it's interesting this morning as I'm as I'm driving, and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, we're going to record the Anything But Quiet Time podcast today. <sighs> and I know what I'm reading in your word, but I don't know that I have anything to share and it's it, there's that still small voice that speaks. What have you been experiencing lately, Rochelle? I'm like, well, there you go. Pain. Been experiencing pain, physical pain. Um, was diagnosed before Christmas with this weirdo virus that has like, like the same symptoms as COVID. Like every That's time you cough, yeah, <laughs> it is. You lose taste and smell. It's called the human metanova virus. It's like a it's like a dar- adult RSV is how my husband uh, he was exemplifying it for me. He's like, uh, um. Anyway, and I know that your little guy, 18-month-old Ezra, is experiencing RSV. You know how miserable he was. and He did worse with that than he did COVID, actually. And you have done worse, worse with this than I have dealt with COVID. So, I, I mean, that's it's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, well, oh, cute. But the, the coughing and your bronchi feeling like they're lit up by lightning bolts and just all of that stuff. And for two weeks, dealing with these kinds of symptoms, it was really, really taxing. Obviously, you feel weak because your body's just doing hard fighting. And it was the doctor um, who shared that with me. He said, you do not feel well. And people 
kind of smirk at not feeling well, but that's a sign that your body is working really hard Mm. fighting this thing. And I got to thinking about that. You know, people who deal with autoimmune disorders where their, their system that does is supposed to help them do battle against viruses is breaking down. Those who struggle with those types of things, um, you know, it, it just makes you feel blessed to realize the reason why I feel like this hugely has to do with my system works. Yeah. And I need to be taking that into account and be praising God, Lord, I don't feel good right now, but there's a reason for it. And all the things in my system that I did not go to extra years of college to learn more about biology and such. So I'm not going to even pretend that I understand the differences between red and white blood cells. But I know all that good stuff is working good and hard. Anyway, I I think it's really important to recognize the, the things in order for them to become stronger have to break down somewhere in order for that growth to take place. And you think about that in so many different things, like the seed when it's planted in the soil until it dies, new life doesn't grow out of it. For the the caterpillar to become a butterfly, it has to go through a metamorphosis. There is so much symbolism all throughout nature and including your own body that helps you see the importance of being born again and becoming stronger through pain. And maybe you've been dealing with some of that Even in this new year, 2022, you kind of experience a little bit of a physical lapse, even. Your your body is worn because you've gone through this holiday season and you've worked hard to get every every I dotted and T crossed in all the ways that you have. Maybe you've even dealt with a lot of melancholy because you're missing that someone who wasn't seated at the table at Christmas gatherings or whatever. Or maybe uh, like Carter, you know, he got COVID for Christmas and had to go into quarantine. Yeah. And so missed out on the celebrations, whatever, whatever is going through, you know, there is, we've, we've talked about this before, Carter, there's, there's tremendous purpose and pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, in reading the book of Revelation, it's interesting what John shares when he has this vision, when all of these things are revealed, which is this tremendous I mean, there's pictures all over the place in the book of Revelation, if you've ever read it. A lot of people have interpreted it. We've seen a lot of different people's versions and renditions of what, oh, this this apocalypse is going to look like. But it heavily relies on um, symbolism that's used all throughout Scripture. Like, John is counting on you understanding um, what some of the pictures that he's describing means from past prophecy. So, you know, Daniel 7 from the Old Testament pops up in there. Uh, You know, anyway, there's this interesting thing that John says he hears, but when he turns and looks, he sees something different than what he hears about. When he hears about who is going to be this person that is going to be able to open the scroll and the uh, the stuff that you read about in Revelation, it's kind of confusing who will do this? And then you hear about the lion of Judah and like these powerful symbols and pictures and images is what he's hearing. But when he turns and looks, he sees a lamb. He sees a bloodied lamb and it's Jesus. This is, you know, we, we hear all throughout scripture about this Passover lamb that has to be, um, he has to be killed in order for the blood of that lamb, the life of, 
source of that lamb to cover the sin of the people who are obviously completely drenched in their own sin. You know, they need to now be, the death that is in them needs to be covered by the life of this blameless lamb. And Jesus is that lamb. And it's through his death that the people are redeemed. And when you read throughout Revelation, you, you hear God saying, look, I'm going to send all these plagues out onto this world. And it's not the plagues that are, are what's impactful to the people on this planet because the people don't seem to give a rip. <laughs> they continue to go on, you know, doing what they do, yeah. worshiping the wrong things, all this stuff, just like the plagues of Egypt. You know, no matter how many plagues plagued the people, Pharaoh still said, no, I'm not going to let my people go. I let your people, Moses, go. And so it's not until that, the unfortunate death of the people even in Egypt, that we see um, in the first lamb, lamb slain, where the blood is poured over the doorpost of the house. There's heavy symbolism here. You can read about this um, in the book of Exodus, where they celebrate for the first time Passover so that the death angel will pass over them. And it's the, the life's blood of that lamb that spares the people in that home, the firstborn in that home. But the other people in the kingdom of Egypt who don't have that life's blood put over the doorpost of their dwelling place, they, they experience loss and grief. Um, it's not until death is experienced that a revelation takes place and Pharisees get out. And it's not until the lamb shows up in, in Revelation where you start seeing people of the nations following the lamb. And you start to see it's their testimony. It's their words that are making a difference for the people. His death made a difference, and that's what changed lives. And then later on, we see it's the lives of those Christian martyrs. Their death makes an impact on the world, and it's through their death that people start going, I see now, I start to see my redemption comes through the lamb. It's not, it's not the plagues. It's not the fear tactics, if you will. I don't even know if that's the right thing to say, but it's not the scary stuff that's going to change people. It's, it's people living out in the midst of pain, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of whatever it is that you're dealing with. The truth of who Jesus Christ is, your faith walk is what will impact this world for the glory of God and will change people. You know, I have heard such a good analogy that sticks with me about pain in life. And it's the—you're familiar with the term aglet, I think, Rochelle. Aglet. It's the nylon tip of the the shoelace. And just pretend you had a normal-sized aglet, but the world's longest shoelace. Let's say it even goes from here to Jupiter. Uh I mean, it's just infinitely long. And that, it's a big shoe. It's a big shoe, uh, <laughs> or at least shoelace. Um, and that aglet, that short nylon tip, is is our life on Earth. Mm. And the infinite shoelace itself is our eternity. Yeah. And so when you when we really look at the limited time that this is, and and should be, uh, dare I say, should have the willingness to even give that up. Um, especially on the for the name of Jesus, we've talked about persecution. You talked about you know death of of martyrs and and but if it brings somebody to that 
everlasting life mm. uh, represented by the world's longest shoelace, the universe's longest shoelace. Uh, that's what we want to get people to. And so it's hard because, you know, even like losing someone, mm. you know, we hear the phrase and even say the phrase, well, I'll never see them again. And yet, I, you know, we were actually hearing a story of, of some, one of our friends that lost her son mm. on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And she said it wasn't lost on her that God sent his only son mm. and went through the same pain. And instantly when I heard that, I was kind of like, yeah, but, you know, with um, it's it's we needed it. Don't get me wrong. And, and it was I mean, I'm sure extremely hard. But God has the foreknowledge and he knows exactly Jesus. Jesus, it was just going to be here for a limited time. You know, he knew he know that he uh, absolutely knew that Jesus would be back and would be restored and, and everything. But I should have that same perspective on my loved ones. It's not that I'll never see them again. It's that I won't see them for a limited time. Jesus was gone from heaven for 33 years. And in some cases, uh, my loved one, I might even see not not be able to see for less time than that. Mm. That I will be able to, I should have the foreknowledge simply because God said so, that there is an eternity. There is a, a life that I should be banking on. And so when you look at pain in this life, the limited time, the, 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 um, uh, I'm trying to think of even how to say it. It's a blip on the radar. Yeah. And I don't, and I think a lot of us don't look at this life that way. And mm. that's why pain is so extremely hard to grasp. Because it's all we can see. But yeah, as true. we shared in the Polar Express uh, podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, some of the most important things in this world are the things we can't see. And clearly some of the most important things ever uh, in the span of eternity, not just this world, are the things that we can't see for now. Right. Um, so I, that's really, really good. And I, I hope that um, that blesses you in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, you know, getting back to the storing treasures up in heaven. We have to get past the things that we can only see. It's such a temporary thing. Yeah. Uh, past that to the eternal so that we can find our purpose in life is to bring glory to the Lord, to praise the Lord in the, in the, it's a tiny fashion, but he craves it. That's why he came in the first place because he, he craves relationship with his people. And I can't wrap my brain around it, but boy, am I glad he does. He yeah. loves us so much. No, thank you for being here. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and uh, so much more. In, in fact, that story about losing her son, that's at hopeondemand.com. Uh, you can look for the name Melissa Radke to find that story. And we will be back next week. Happy New Year.